Bible study, and let's ask the Lord's presence. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can spend a few moments in your word, and might you uh, help us to understand it, and again, apply it to our lives. In our Savior's name we pray, amen. So I just want to connect today's study. It's very important to connect it with uh, yesterday's. And if we go back to Ephesians chapter 1 and uh, verse 18, uh, we, we we saw that, that uh, Paul is saying, I am praying for you that you might know and come to understand the following. And we saw in verses 18 and 19, that he says, I pray the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably uh, great power for us who believe. And we saw these uh, kind of piling on, if you will, of uh, words uh, for power uh, in, in this passage here. You know, his great power, his mighty strength, his working. Uh, all these things should really emphasize God's mighty power. And so we come to today's, uh, our, our section today, the next couple of verses we want to cover today. And uh, that is, it, it continues the thought in verse 20. These, I wanted to, to remind you of these, these power words that are, that are heaped on each other here. Because it goes into verse 20, and it's to where they really fit. Which he, in other words, this power that he, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. And so we have this word here, um, he, he, he energized, if you will, energizon, this, you know, you get our word energy comes from this. And uh, we could say he exerted, he exercised, he energized. It's this word of power that he takes all these words of power and says, he took, the, he, he took this mighty power and he energized it in raising Christ from the dead. This goes back to this idea of this energy and working of God. We see it goes back to verse uh, 19, uh, where we had this already. His power is like the working of his mighty strength. And we also saw it back also in verse uh, seven, in, uh, verse 11. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with his will. And we talked about this, that God is at work. And uh, God is active in the world today. And uh, this is his world. And he's just as active and at work today uh, as he was from the beginning. And uh, we don't believe his agnostic view that, that God sort of wound the clock up and, and walked away and left it running. No, God is at work. And he, and, and what's really important about this passage is that in this idea of energy, it always has the idea of power that is active. That God was active in exerting his energy uh, to do the following things that he talks about. What, what did God's energy accomplish? And we see that here. He specifically says, back to verse 20, speaking of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And in the original language, it, it, what it really says is, out of out from the dead ones, this, this plural, idea, plural idea, from the dead ones, out and from the dead. You know, Paul says in Corinthians that he becomes the first fruits. He is the first fruit of all that is to follow the resurrection. He's the first one to resurrect. He becomes the first fruit to come out from among the dead, the place of the dead, and where the dead were, out from the grave. And he is raised from the dead. And I just, I want us to stop and 
you know, we are moving uh, this week uh, toward Easter Sunday. Uh, this week uh, in this study, it happens to be uh, Tuesday or Monday, excuse me, or just Tuesday, right? Before Easter. And uh, it's good for us to stop and remember that Christ rising from the dead on Easter morning didn't happen just because it was on the schedule. It happened because God exerted, I mean, that's why all those words are there, this mighty power, this, 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 this exercising of his energy, this strength, this mighty strength. All these things come together that God actively energized and worked to, write, to raise Christ from the dead. That's what he says here. This power was at work. This power was at work when he exerted it in Christ when he raised him from the dead. That raising of Christ from the dead was a mighty act of power. And if he is the first fruit of all who are going to rise from the dead, likewise, when we receive our resurrection bodies, it's going to be an act of God's amazing power we read about in the rapture, we read about the resurrection in Thessalonians and Corinthians, 1 Corinthians and 1 Thessalonians, that we want to remember that that's God's power at work, that when you raise him from the dead, when you receive Christ as your Savior, and the Bible says you pass from death unto life, we experience the power of God. Maybe you didn't physically feel it, I was pretty young when I was saved. Other people have had different uh, experiences, different uh, things that happened when they became a believer. But for every one of us, when we pass from death unto life, that was a mighty act of God's power at work in our lives, just as it was at work in raising Christ from the dead. The second thing in Moses says that he caused him to ascend to the heavenlies, to the heavenly places. He says here, he raised him from the dead, verse 20, and seated him in his right hand. So we have in between those uh, raising and seating, what we see in uh, on Easter Sunday, or as the resurrection story moves on in Easter, and then in the book of Acts, where they saw him ascend into the heavens. God raised him from out among the dead ones and raised him up into the heavens all by his power. And then it says here that he seated him at the Father's right hand in the heavenlies. And again, we're back in verse 20. He raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenlies or in the heavenly realms. You know, in the New Testament, there are several references to Psalm 110. You know, this is a really important Messianic Psalm. In the 110th Psalm, where it says in verse 1, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. And this this is quoted several times in the New Testament. And one of the times that, uh, in particular, is the Lord Jesus Christ. We can read about it in uh, the Gospel of Mark. And in Mark uh, chapter 12, in verse 35. Well, and this is during the Passion Week, okay? He's in Jerusalem. While Jesus was teaching in the temple courts, he asked, quote, how is it that the teachers of the law say that Christ is the son of David? David himself, speaking by the Holy Spirit, declared, back in Psalm 110, quote, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. And then Jesus said, 
David himself calls him Lord, how then can he be his son? And the large crowd listened to him with delight. And nobody could answer that question. You see, it's interesting that in rabbinic literature, we don't really see emphasis on Psalm 110 as a Messianic psalm. Later on, maybe in the third century uh, after Christ, uh, we see references to that in rabbinic literature. We don't know for sure, but it became very important testimony and proof text, if you will, in the Christian uh, faith and in the, from the Gospels into the Epistles that this is referred to as a Messianic psalm. And we see this in Ephesians chapter 1. Christ was raised from the dead. He ascended and he was seated at the right hand of God the Father. And it connects with Psalm 110. These are the things that God accomplished with his power when he raised Christ from the dead. Christ is above all powers, all authorities, all realms. And that's the whole point of the next verse, verse 21. So after he says, verse 20, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Then we have verse 21, far above. And actually in the Greek, it really just says above. We don't really need to add the far. It's above. Above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every title that can be given. Again, you have sort of a piling on of these words again. They all have their unique meanings, but given together, they all kind of overlap and give this picture of, of one Christ who is above all. Let me look at the words here. Uh, above every kind of ruler, and it is in the singular. That's why I say, I think it's good to say above every kind of, of power and rule. Uh, and we need to connect this with Ephesians 6, and we'll see that when we get there. Uh, the spiritual warfare. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual powers, the hosts in the heavenlies. And so clearly in this passage here, you know, earthly powers could be in mind as well, but especially important are the the the, the powers in the heavens that we wrestle against. Uh, later on, there are there are angelic powers, there are but there are demons and satanic powers. Clearly the Bible speaks that. Ephesians 6, the spiritual warfare, we'll get there. Rulers, authorities, powers, dominion, any other title of power, they're all uh, listed and it gives you this big picture of Christ is over all. They all have kind of their unique aspects, um, ruler, uh, archae, primary, uh, primacy, authorities, those who have the right to act, power, who have the energy and the, and the, and the power to act, dominion. The word for Lord, Lord, Lordship is involved in that. And then all kinds of spiritual powers. And of course, the earthly powers as well. Christ has been seated in the heavenlies above all. And then he goes on to say this. He wraps up by saying this. this he is over every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come. I might come back to that on Friday when we have answer some questions because a question came up about this idea on the ages and the dispensations, but it's possible that the age would be the present church age, the age to come, the Messianic age, it would fit with the, with the Old Testament expectations of all things coming to fruition in the Messianic age, which ends the final earthly age, or there are others who believe it's the uh, eternal state, the new heavens and new earth. Uh, we'll come back to that thought, but the point is, from now and forever, Christ is over all. Now, this is really important that 
what I just want to come back before we end where this started. What is Paul praying for the Ephesians? Remember, this is part of his prayer. This 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 statement about God energizing and exercising his power to raise Christ from the dead with power, place him at his right hand, above all names and authorities, now and forevermore. It goes back to the prayer. And what was that prayer? That you would know. Remember, Paul says, I pray that the that the eyes of your heart would be open, that you would know. And in the Bible, with the, with the Hebrew background, the word know has the idea of relationship or experience. So what is, what is, what's this all about here? This, this prayer is, and the application is that Paul says, I want you to know that this power is the power of God that I want you to experience. And that this is for the present and for the future. This is not just something in the future. Paul says, I want you to know this now and experience this now, Ephesians. He's going to talk later on about the spiritual warfare. Well, they'll need this power. We need this power every day. This power is available. God's power is available to all of us today. That's the point of this. That's the point of this. I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened, that you might know these things, and that you would know and experience this mighty power of God that energized and, and is exerted. As some of us have been in Israel. We visited the, the garden tomb. It may or may not be the, the actual the tomb, but if it's not, it's very similar. And to stick your head in there and to see that empty uh, bench where the body of Christ laid with the stone that was rolled over it. And that God energized and brought him, didn't resuscitate him, he brought him to life. And he rose victorious over death and from out from among the dead ones and from out of the grave and ascended to the right hand of God the Father above all names. God wants us to know and experience this power. It's available to us. And we think of Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, that Paul, where Paul says that he, he in King James, you know, I, I beseech you, I beseech you, brothers, that you present your bodies. And he says, I urge you, brothers, in the view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, perfect, and pleasing will. God has given us the power. You have the power, and I have the power, if we know Christ the Savior, that we can know God's will, we can act on it, and live our lives according to God's will by the renewing of our mind, we need that power. We need that power today. Uh, we have the power from God, the power that raised Christ from the dead. He wants us to know it and to experience it. We're going to stop right there for the day. Uh, there's a lot in those two verses, and that's enough for this lesson. But we'll continue and come back to this and wrap up this first chapter uh, in our next lesson. God bless you, and thanks for joining us.